Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Welcome, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode number 47 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out on the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for being here. And if you're a first time listener, welcome to the show and I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you are a long time listener, of course, thank you so much. I do appreciate you being here once again. Now, I've got a little bit of news for you this week. Um, as some of you may know, some of you may not, of course, I now live in Malta. I'm here for the next two years. So I've been trying to get out on the mountain bike, but it's a little difficult where I'm at in the island to get out. So I normally only get out every Sunday. So I was out last Sunday. Lovely ride. There's 13 of us out all together um, and we were just bombing along. We were about 20 or 30 minutes into the ride and going down quite a simple trail Nothing steep, nothing rocky, um, and me not really knowing the trails just as yet. I came bombing down, came to like an anti-camber corner, of course, wasn't concentrating at all, and um, came off, and that's all she wrote. I broke my collarbone and had to go to hospital. Now, the funny thing was, when I actually done it, um, I didn't hear a crack, I didn't hear anything like that, and um, I just, I kept riding, and you know, an hour and a half later, I finally had to say to the guys, look, you know, I've done something wrong to my shoulder. So it was a hospital visit for me. And yes, I've broken in two places. So I have to uh, wear a sling for a couple of weeks and then go back and see if I need surgery. Normally you don't need surgery, but sometimes with a complicated break, they need to pin it and plate it and stuff like that. So that's my news. So I'm sitting here chatting to you about mountain biking, but I actually won't be out on the mountain bike for at least eight or 10 weeks anyway by the sounds of the chat so um is it going to be difficult yeah i think it might be but you know we'll just go on with it it is what it is and uh, jay mike sent me a nice message there just uh wishing me all the best because he's obviously went through something similar so um we'll just keep plugging away guys we'll just keep plugging away so thanks for being here this will keep me interested in mountain biking anyway and keep me involved in the scene so that's all cool I just want to say a massive thank you to Edward, who is the owner of Wheel Wizards, a really good mountain bike store in Malta here. And Edward really looked after me, as any of the guys would. They're a really good bunch of guys. But Edward took me to the hospital, sat with me, waited with me, spoke to the guys for me because obviously it was easier for him to do it in Maltese. Um, so thank you so much, Edward. I really do appreciate it. And um you know, in a time like that, you really do need support when it comes to stuff like that. So thanks so much. I do appreciate it. Now, if you want to get more involved in the show, you can check it out at mtb-tribe.com. You can download the episodes from there direct to your PC. You can listen to them from the website as well. Um, or you can go to iTunes or Stitcher and download them onto your Android or your iPhone via there. And I just want to say to the iTunes guys that are listening there and leaving reviews, thank you so much. And 
I just wanted to say a big thanks to Michael Reagan from the Dava Enduro. Some of you guys will know him, of course. i just seen a review left by Michael, which I've never actually noticed before. Um, so I just want to read that out and say thanks to him. Um, he says, fantastic listen, five stars. Hey, Gareth, really enjoying the varied content. Great to hear what's happening in the world of mountain biking. Thanks for having us on and keep up the great work, Michael Reagan, Dava Enduro. So, yes, thanks very much, Michael. I had Michael on the show just chatting about the, the Dava Enduro and stuff like that so thanks for that Michael and anybody else that's leaving iTunes reviews, awesome that's really good, it helps the show be seen, helps people listen to the show and that's really why I'm here is to spread the word, try and get people off the sofas and onto bikes that's as simple as it gets, just trying to motivate people to get out onto the trails Okay, after that good news, let's get on to today's show. Um, On episode 47, we are welcoming back Trent and Ali from their YouTube channel, Trent and Ali, a.k.a. TNTMTB. Now, I first had Trent and Ali on the show way back in episode 4. Can you believe that? Um, So, we're talking about their YouTube channel and mountain biking, among other great stuff. But since that time a lot has changed including the name of their channel which is now simply Trent and Ali but we chat about why they changed the name of their YouTube channel and the direction and focus it is moving into the future. When I first had Trent and Ali on the show they had just finished their first fan conversion but since then they have sold that one and just completed their second build with no expense spared so I thought it was a good time to get them back on the show and take us through the process of converting a van into a full-time livable space. We chat about the reasons behind this new build, where their ideas came from, what they were doing differently from the first time, cost, time, and why Trent was lying below the van in the snow installing a portable toilet. Yes, like crazy. It just it gets messy at times. <laughs> So we chat about that, we chat about their time, their cost, the frustration involved in doing such a thing, all good stuff that you will encounter if you wish to do the same. You know, Trent and Ali use the van basically to live in now, um, and they mountain bike and do other things across the country. That's what they're up to. So it's a great listen if you're thinking of converting a van or doing anything similar, these are the guys to check out. Of course, all the links and all are in the episode, so you can uh, find out more there. But let's get into it. Let's welcome Trent Nally to the MTB Tribe podcast. Hi guys, Trent Nally. Welcome back to the MTB Tribe podcast. Things are changing for you guys, eh? Yeah. Yes. What's up, Gareth? Things have uh, things have really taken a big change. We're uh, full time remote now, so that's kind of a little bit different lifestyle change than just you know going on trips here and there. But we're making do. Yeah, cool, cool. Now, we'll get into, I want to speak to you today about your new van conversion, which following your YouTube channel looks absolutely amazing. Um, Thanks. Now, do you believe this, but you were on the podcast way back in episode three. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. We're now in the high 40s. It's unreal. Nice. Sweet. Glad to be a part of it. Yeah, well, thank you so much, and thank you so much for coming back on. Now, I want to chat about the van, um, but here, how's Utah treating you at the minute? It's pretty hot. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely hot right now. We are ready to get out of Utah. I don't know what it is in Celsius, but it's been over 100 degrees like this entire past week, so wow. I think we're actually getting ready to 
vacate this part of the country and go somewhere where it's a little cooler. <laughs> Trent's skin burns easily, so he basically walks outside and immediately gets a sunburn everywhere we go. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, when I was younger and had hair, I was a ginger as well. <laughs> so, so, it's a tough life. <laughs> it is. So I, I know, I know that. Here, a funny wee story, completely off topic. But you see, a few years ago, if you had typed into Google, now this is true Bill story. If you had typed into Google, what do what do I do if I get? And the second or third thing to come up was bitten by a ginger. <laughs> People um, think we're vampires, yeah. that's why. Uh, um, and I think it had its own website and all dedicated to it. It was unbelievable. I was in tears for about two days. <laughs> it's funny. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it's funny. So here, you guys are just back from a big European trip. How was that? It was really good. It was fun, yeah. We got to do a bunch of sightseeing, traveling through a bunch of different countries, um, some unexpected biking. We didn't get to mountain bike, but we did do some fun. Oh, the biking we did was terrible. City biking. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen you bike into a hospital. A... Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd actually never been to Europe or anywhere outside of North America, so it was very culture shocking for me to go to places where people didn't speak English yeah. and stuff like that. But I was there basically to go visit my best friend who just had a baby. But I was like, you know, Trent, you don't want to come hang out with a baby for five days. Go do something fun on your own. Go explore Amsterdam. So we fly to Amsterdam together. And then immediately I left him there, just abandoned him for his first time in Europe by himself. Yeah. I also don't travel by myself. So this is just like full baptism by fire into solo traveling. But it went well. Yeah, Everything it worked, worked out. out. It was good. And, and then a few were days you later, nervous? were you nervous at that time, Trent? Uh, I'm more nervous to fly. I hate flying, mm-hmm. and so flying across the ocean was definitely something I didn't want to do. It was like a ten-hour flight. But after that was over, I was just kind of like, bring it on. I guess we'll. I don't know if this happens to anybody else, but every time Trent flies, he just really emotionally connects with all of the movies he watches on the flights. I don't know if because he's just in a heightened Allie, emotional Allie state. Allie does it too. Allie cries <laughs> at every movie we watch on the airplane. I think it was Wonder Woman. We're five or six <laughs> minutes in, and Trent's just sobbing in the corner. He's so touched by Wonder Woman. She doesn't have a father, this poor girl. <laughs> Makes you emotionally available on an airplane. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh-huh, classic. So you enjoyed Europe. It was a wee bit different. I was going to ask you if it was in part to promote your channel because you, you put a lot of it on your channel, but it was more for you, Ali, to go and visit a friend. It, it started out going to visit a friend. And then once we reconnected and spent some time together in Italy and did some backpacking and traveling around, um, it kind of evolved into, yeah, a, a travel vlog. And really that's where we hit 10,000 subscribers or 15. Mm, I think we yeah. hit 10. Yeah, we basically we like tripled or almost quadrupled the size of the channel in the past like six or seven weeks. Which is kind of where our conversation started about whether we should change the name of our channel. We used to be solely dedicated to mountain biking and over the past few months really have kind of evolved to more of the van conversion, travel vlog, adventure stuff. 
And over this trip is kind of when we decided, oh, maybe we need to seriously consider changing our channel name. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because I looked back um, when you first come on the show. And at that stage, by the time we had chatted and by the time the show had came out, the podcast had came out, you were at between two and 3,000 subscribers. Mm-hmm. So that's, what, yeah. 10 months ago. So you're now, what, 15,000? Yeah, fifteen or sixteen. I think like uh, I think we're at like sixteen thousand eight hundred or something, almost yeah. seventeen thousand. Wow! But really, that just happened in the past six weeks. Once we decided to really ramp up um, some new videos, we put out our latest van tour of the new van, and that helped a lot, kind of rally people to the channel. Yeah, and we didn't really like go to Europe to boast the channel, but. While we were going to fly across the ocean and go to Europe to see this baby, we thought we'd make a longer trip out of it. And I just decided to basically film every day we were there and try to make as many episodes out of it as we could. I ended up getting a really bad eye infection. <clears throat> I think I think I had pink eye or something. I don't know if it was from the baby or what, but I had this terrible eye infection that we documented throughout the course of our time in Italy, just getting progressively worse and being unable to communicate to people in Italian. No one spoke English. Um, We had a couple different failed attempts at getting treatment, uh, which finally resulted in a a bike ride to the ER around midnight on a Saturday night in the middle of nowhere. In the ghetto. (laughs) On these little city (laughs) cruiser bikes by ourselves. Um, which was uh, kind of a, a healthcare immersion experience we weren't really prepared for, but we documented all of it and put it on YouTube. And I think that also helped humanize ourselves a little bit and, mm. and make us a bit more relatable to our audience. Yeah. So you were doing this at that stage. You were still you were still TNT MTB. Correct. Yeah. So did you think to yourself, well, you know, I got to listen. I got to look at what my listeners want. and So when did you decide to change the name to Trenton Alley? I think the biggest, it's always been like kind of a lingering objective just because TNT doesn't really have as much meaning with me and Alley. And the fact that it was, you know, MTB just kind of groups us with the rest of all the like, you know, mountain bike channels or any, any channel name that has MTB in it. Mm-hmm. And as we found our our content revolving less and less around solely mountain biking, we knew that we had to kind of change the name because we had all these people that were watching us because of the van or, you know, because we travel or things like that. And they're like, what does MTB stand for? You know, like they just don't. We actually asked our our listeners about it in a live stream, and they all said, no, don't change your name. We don't know what it stands for, but you don't have to change your name. It's fine. And that's yeah. when we were like, all right, there's definitely people that are following us, even though they have no idea what our name means. Yeah, Let's okay. at least create a name that people can understand. <laughs> yeah, and I, I always kept thinking, well, we'll wait until the subscriber base gets really big, and then we'll change the name. But like that, that doesn't really make any sense, so you it's really better to change it before your subscriber base gets too big. So that's why we went ahead and just kind of took the plunge. We figured Trenton Alley is a better name for it to revolve around us, no matter what we're doing. Just, just solely because the videos used to be, you know, you start at the top of the trail and you end when you get back to the van. And that was like the whole video. There might be a little bit of stuff spliced in between of us around the city, but it was, you know, 90% mountain biking. 
So now that we have a little bit different style, we just wanted to switch it up. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I've been following your channel since day one, and I know it has been evolving, if you want to say that. Um, mm-hmm. And But do you feel... Now, it's obviously working for you because your subscribers have went up, but do you feel you lose maybe a wee bit of the mountain bike following because of the name change? Yeah, I would I mean, say so. I think that... I think we probably already lost some of our mountain bike fans, like just over the last month, regardless of the name change, but just because they used to watch our channel so that they could watch us ride trails. And we've been on like one trail in the past month. So it's (laughs) like the, the people that watch us just for mountain biking are probably already moved on their way. But I know there's a lot of people that, came and started watching us because of the mountain bikes, but then they kind of got to know us and they're like some of our really good fans that we talk to all the time and they still continue to follow us even though we're not biking all the time. We also Mm -hmm. noticed there's a lot of people that come find our channel through the van, through the van conversion videos and then watch the mountain biking videos and are just blown away that mountain biking is a sport. They've never really been exposed to it before and it triggers them to maybe get a little bit more interested in it. Which is kind of yeah, or to buy a bike. Yeah, or, nice crossover. Yeah, mm. yeah, and do you yourselves enjoy it more being a kind of lifestyle channel? You know, the Trenton Alley show. Do you enjoy it? Do you just enjoy it more? I mean, I think it it represents our personalities more equally. I think we're yeah. It allows us to really put our personalities on display because when we're biking, I mean, you just get me narrating. <laughs> and that's like that's, that's which is funny yeah that's good and fine and yeah it makes for a good episode but it's like there's not really that much interaction from Allie and the interaction that you do get is just Allie being upset because we're on a long climb <laughs> and so she's <laughs> complaining about it being hot or it being a hard climb or you know so it's, there's not really like the fun interaction and the banter that you know we get in our our normal episodes now so mm-hmm. I've, I've really enjoyed it yeah it's definitely more fun now <laughs> to film the broader range of stuff. I mean, even just cooking in the van, like other things that I, that I do normally mm-hmm. that people seem to really respond to when we put them online. Yeah. You know, it's cool because I think you are enjoying it more just from me watching the channel because yeah. before you change, because well, for the listeners here, we had this planned before you went to Europe, but then um, something came up and we couldn't do it before you, before you left mm-hmm. for Europe. So we decided to wait until you came back. Mm-hmm. But I had an idea of asking some questions which probably aren't that relevant now that you've changed your name. But I felt as a as a viewer over the winter that you were maybe struggling a wee bit with with the channel because you weren't up you know you weren't uploading stuff as as much. But then if you weren't riding your bikes, what can you do? You know, it's difficult. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's like one of the big hurdles. Is it's like. You see these guys that run the mountain bike channels on YouTube, like, you know, BKXC, I know he was on your podcast and like mm-hmm. any of these, any of these guys with huge followings in the wintertime, they have to be taking trips mm-hmm. to like go and get content so that they can keep uploading for their channel. You can't just sit, especially here in Salt Lake when there's a foot of snow outside, you can't just wait, you can't wait until the snow melts to make another video. So they've got to like go on these constant trips and with us both working full time, you know, throughout the winter we just couldn't get away to really even yeah. do hardly any mountain biking and then well we were trying to convert the van during the <coughs> winter as well which is really mm-hmm. its own full-time job yeah 
So I would say, yeah, we were a bit discouraged over the winter with the channel and maybe the direction it was going in, um, which just started to get kind of stagnant. Yeah. I was like, man, we've really got to pick up the pace here. And then once we finished the van and that, that, you know, big workload was off of our plates, then we realized, all right, now we can start focusing on the channel again. And I think we put together a couple bike videos and then we just kind of started you know, doing more vlog style videos and talking about the van. And then we went to Europe and it's just kind of, I mean, just in the numbers of the people who have watched those videos, we're just responding to what people want to watch really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it seems to be really well received so far that vlog style. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. So you were talking about bikes. How's the Yeti Trent? How's the Yeti? (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty awesome, man. It's, uh, I mean, it's obviously a completely different bike than the Bronson. So it's, it's a monster truck. I mean, you don't, you can, you can pretty much pick any line you want and that bike's going to handle it. So that's like Mm -hmm. one plus is you don't, you don't really have to be very careful when you're smashing downhill and it actually climbs really well too. I think the 29er definitely helps there. Yeah. And what, what, what model is that? It's the SB 5.5. It's their 29-inch uh, long travel bike. So it's like a enduro machine. Just, Massive. Yeah, it climbs really well, and <clears throat> I mean, it, it's still comfortable in the air too. It's not like too big of a bike, but you can definitely just mow down whatever's in your way. It's really fun. And are you still working at the bike store? I am currently still at the bike store right now. Um, I, I'm working remote at the moment, but mm-hmm. we might be discontinuing that occupation here shortly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, we need a we need a full time editor in chief, and I might have to be uh, shifting all of my responsibilities over towards video production and editing here soon. Okay, cool. So, Ali, are you still editing the channel? I am primarily the main editor, but I would say that it's shifted a little bit more over to Trent in just the past few weeks um, <laughs> since we, we kind of knew that he, I'm going to continue to work full time and continue to work in healthcare um, while we're traveling around in, in the van across the country. So we knew that he would need to start learning how to edit. So he's been doing a bunch more. Um, and I think the videos have come out really well. Actually, he did the, all of his Amsterdam videos mm-hmm. and a few while we were there in Italy. So I'm still primarily the editor, but I've, I trust him to take yeah. over the job. <laughs> cool. And Trent, I noticed I noticed when you're doing your Amsterdam videos, I cringe at the thought of having to do that. But you're sitting chatting <laughs> into the into the camera and you point at that out yourself. How weird is that, man? Is that not nerve wracking? When uh, when you're walking around talking to the camera by yourself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely pretty weird. I would and I would feel weird doing it even here in you know uh, America, but like. There, I'm also like this foreign, <laughs> this foreign tourist that's walking around talking to a camera by myself, and you just got to kind of have the confidence that uh, these people either don't care or maybe they do and they're making fun of you. But like, who cares? You got to do this. It's, yeah, it's uh, it it's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need a T-shirt or something with, uh, you know, it's okay. I'm a celebrity or something. <laughs> walking around talking to the camera isn't as bad but when i was like sitting at the tables like 
filming my food and like talking to the camera about the food that I was eating, that's the stuff that's hard because all the tables around you are like pointing and laughing and being like, what is this guy doing? And I'm like doing close-ups of a muffin, like two inches away from the muffin, you know, to get like a good, a good B-roll section. And it, it just looks funny to the, uh, the outsiders. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Now, Ali, you're on a new bike as well, aren't you? I am. I'm on a new Bronson and I am loving it so much. The, the difference moving from the 5010 to the Bronson has been enormous for me. I don't know if it's just my own personal comfort has evolved over time, or it's just the bike is a little bit better able to handle the downhill, but I am enjoying it so much. It's a really Mm. fun, fun bike for me. Cool. And have you just been out riding much over the last few months or? We've gotten in a bunch of early spring biking. We were biking pretty much every day before Europe. Um, There's a lot in the Salt Lake City area, but we haven't ventured really outside of Utah yet. We're actually going up to Wyoming later this week. Yeah, we're going up to Jackson, the Teton Pass. You've probably Mm. seen videos of that place. Yeah, I kind of know Jackson better from snowboarding, to be honest. Yeah, 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 fantastic snowboarding. They have yeah. really good mountain biking too. They have like some pretty world-renowned trails there. Wow, cool, cool. Yeah. And videos to come on that. Yeah, excellent. That'd be cool. And how um, how are you finding the scene there? How how's the mountain bike scene? Do you think it's growing any? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, just cycling in general. I think as technology increases and people, I mean, the sports just constantly growing. You can't really go to a trailhead around here especially if the temperature is nice and like easily find a parking spot whereas a couple years ago you know you'd see a handful of people out there but now you're seeing groups of 10 people on the trail and just it's it's definitely growing year after year just continually and i would say even with girls i notice more and more groups of just girl riders on the trail yeah where it used to be pretty mixed or primarily dominated by by male bikers well, now there's like a lot of the groups that are female oriented that are like geared towards getting girls out on the trail and making girls feel comfortable out there and helping girls improve. And they're like girl only groups. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really cool, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's class. That That's great to see. And, and Trent, are you seeing through the store the sale of mountain bikes increasing or top end bikes increasing, maybe? Um, In mountain biking, definitely. I don't, I'm not much of a road cyclist, so I don't really deal with road bike sales, but as far as mountain bikes go, yeah, they're always increasing and any of like the, the top bikes that come out, like Ibis's new Ritmo, I mean, they're like six weeks behind on shipping. So it's like, you, you look at any of those high demand bikes and the fact that it's like really hard to get your hands on one, uh, is kind of an indicator that no matter how hard these guys are trying to project for market demand, like they can't keep up with it. So I think that's a pretty good indication. That's interesting. Yeah. And what do you sell in store there? I know you just do Santa Cruz. Do you just do the Yeti there too? And We do Yeti. We do Santa Cruz, Ibis, Niner, Pivot. Um, we sell some YTs. Well, you sell and YT, then- do you? Yeah, the not like not like their full lineup or anything. We get like a couple of their bikes. I think it's just like just the stuff that they give us good deals on. Right. Okay. Back 
yeah, our backcountry's not about having the widest selection. They're about having the best bottom line. So, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. I understand that. Now let's let's chat about van conversion number two then. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. you were saying that you're full time mobile. So are you just living in the van full time? Yeah. Yeah, we just uh, got done moving everything completely out of the house that we had for storage. So we have uh, basically my grandparents have a house that they don't use the basement. So one of the bedrooms in the basement, we took everything that doesn't fit in the van and that we're going to keep Mm -hmm. and stored it in that room. So now our whole life is in that van. I sold my car. We're out of our, we don't have a lease on the house anymore. So we're just in the van full time. It's crazy. Wow. That's yeah. a big step. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see if we kill each other. Last yeah. year, it was just a six week long trip. We knew that there was a, a finite amount of time we would spend together, but this is kind of indefinite. So, um, and I'm also working full time. Last year, last summer, we took six weeks and just traveled around, but we were both kind of on vacation. So it was a little b- more relaxed, more fun. Now I need to work, you know, six or eight hours at least a day and Trent will need to edit or film or, or find other ways to fill his time. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I've got and, a tough job. <laughs> yeah. And have you been thinking along them lines for quite a while? Is that one of the reasons why you decided to do the new van? Yeah, that's a lot of it. So after we got back from our first trip, um, we kind of realized a couple things and that. One of those was that we wanted to live in a van and travel and do it full time. And another one was that that van was not necessarily way too small, but we felt like we needed to have a shower that was inside the van so that we didn't have to like try and shower in a parking lot or in the woods with our little outdoor shower, especially when like temps got cold and things like that. So we decided that we were going to build out a new van where we could fit a shower inside it. And one of the biggest pulls was that we wanted to be able to keep the mountain bikes inside the van. Mm-hmm. Because our last van, uh, as you probably saw in one of the episodes, someone tried to steal the bikes like off mm-hmm. the bike rack while we were inside the van sleeping. So we wanted to make sure we could store the bikes under the bed, inside the van, doors locked. And that was uh, probably one of the biggest driving factors Initially, we thought maybe we'll remodel the old van and make it so we can put the bikes inside. And then I was like, someone will pay really good money for this full conversion. Like, there's no reason to tear it apart and rebuild it when we could sell it and kind of capitalize on that that uh, the effort that we put in there and then build a new one, you know, exactly what we need so that we can put the bikes inside and have a shower and all those other amenities. And then it really just snowballed into, all right, let's just live in this year-round full-time, make it four-season compatible. Um, you know, we added a furnace, we added hot water, we really insulated it for winter temperatures as well as the hot summer temperatures. So we'll be able to take it snowboarding in the mountains, we'll be able to take it mountain biking throughout the summer, and document and vlog about all of it, hopefully. Yeah, and the build certainly looks amazing, and I know... I know that episode of the build on your channel has got crazy views. Um, yeah. 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 So, so people are certainly interested in it. Um, do you think having the van 
I know with me being in Malta here, I have no car. I sold my car before I came mm-hmm. over. I have none of that. Um, and it kind of takes a weight off your shoulders almost. It's so weird to explain. But do you feel that the van's going to give you more of a sense of freedom as such? Yeah, definitely. I mean, financial freedom especially. A lot of people... Mm. A lot of people do van life, I think, because they think it's going to save them a lot of money. But like in our situation, cutting out rent and utilities and all the other, you know, excess expenses is going to be a huge weight off of our shoulders. Plus, the only things that you have to worry about are like inside your vehicle with you. So there's just not like a lot of outside stress or, you know, things that you need to be worried about on a day to day basis. It's it really is so nice just in your head to minimalize your life Mm, and and just get rid of things that you don't realize you really don't need and then only focus on the things that are necessities makes you really, first of all, appreciate what you have because you have such fewer items with you um, and also just gives you more time to enjoy the rest of life because you don't have to focus on everything else. You know, and, and it does, it's crazy because before Katrina and myself came over to Malta, we stayed with Katrina's, we sold the house, we stayed with Katrina's mother-in-law for two and a half months, and mm-hmm. I put away so much of my clothing and stored it, Yeah. and I, I never missed it at all. I didn't <laughs> yeah. look for it. Yeah. The only thing I had to go and find was my Miami Vice box set. Other than that, (laughs) (laughs) I was grand. But, you know, it it does, it makes you feel good. And you do realize that you don't need as much stuff. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Especially like with clothes, you know, we were going through all of our clothes and they have so much sentimentality and memory associated with them sometimes. And you're like, oh, I can't get rid of this sweater. This is such a, you know got great memories with this sweater and you put it away and you never think about it again or you you know it's a it's an article that you really like you're like oh i love this shirt it's like when's the last time you wore it and it's like maybe a month two months ago but like i love it you know so you Mm -hmm. you have all these these clothes that you really want and i remember when we went on our trip last year it was only six weeks but we took a decent amount of clothes and i remember by probably like the second or second to last week or the last week I'd only worn like half the clothes that we brought and the rest mm-hmm. of the clothes were like piled at the bottom of my little cabinet. And I was like, yeah. like we don't even need half these clothes and we didn't even bring like half the clothes we have at home. So it's, it's, it's uh, eye opening to realize yeah. you don't need as much as you think you do. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's talk a wee bit more about the van. I know you put an episode up about the expense and you were very open in that one and to how much it cost and stuff. Mm-hmm. So do you think, this is just for somebody probably thinking of doing something similar, do you think if you take your time into it, because I know you worked on it all winter, um, the expense that you've paid, is it cheaper than buying already an already converted camper van? Or why did you feel like you wanted to do your own rather than buying one already? You know, like a motorhome more more, more than a converted van, but a motorhome, what's the yeah. difference there? I mean, if you buy a motorhome or a van that's converted by a motorhome company, um, it's going to be, they're super expensive. You could get a used one for, I'm sure, what would be a comparable price in what you would pay to build it out yourself. But if you wanted to buy a brand new motorhome van, 
you're looking at, you know, a hundred thousand us dollars, you know, or maybe 90,000 mm. and including the price of our van brand new off the lot, uh, our build and our van was only a little over 50,000. Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. they, they really, really marked the price up on those things. You can definitely get, you know, a, a camper van or a class B motorhome or something like that that's used for a comparable price. But I just hate buying vehicles that are used because you just never really know what people have done to them. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is just the customizability. We knew we had very specific requirements that we wanted to be included in our van. Um, and I don't know exactly how customizable you can really get with other companies that even have templates you can pick from, but we had very specific, specific mm-hmm. things we wanted. Yeah. Most, most motorhomes aren't, aren't storing the mountain bikes inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, the big difference. I one of those big requirements. We're actually going to do a video, um, on what type of van would suit your needs and what van is best for you. So look for that. If you want to mm-hmm. give us a follow. Um, that, yeah. that video is coming out soon. Yeah, that sounds good. And let's just let's just chat about your your own personal needs there. So, how did you get the ideas for what you wanted? Was it web research? Was it via experience of the ver- first fan? How did you know exactly what you wanted? I would say it's a combination of experience in our first van, and then the other main factor I think was Trent spent his life looking at YouTube van tour videos. And we just watched a million videos um, and really decided what elements we wanted to keep and what elements we could adapt. Would you agree? Yeah. And I mean, you just, you, you spend so much time brainstorming on these types of things and thinking about every scenario and worst case scenarios and what you absolutely want to have and what you can go without and, you know, once you figure out all the different things that you have to have in the van, then you've just got to organize them in the van somehow. And that was one of the, the ways that, you know, we basically just sat down as each stage of the van would come along and be like, hey, we need to fit this, this and this in this space. How are we going to do that? And that would be, you know, most of the brain power would go into organizing everything in a functional fashion. Yeah, we didn't use SketchUp or a CAD design software system or anything. We just have all these drawings on the backs of napkins and post-it notes <laughs> and pieces of paper of different van layouts throughout the months uh, where yeah. we were determining what we wanted to do. But it's yeah, funny. But- I, I actually I was so resistant to having a shower. I just thought it was unnecessary. We would be able to find showers on the road. And after our trip last year, living in the van for six weeks and mountain biking and hiking and running all the time, it was really evident how important it would be to have a shower that was functional inside the van for while we're in urban environments and not always able to to just park and rinse mm-hmm. off on the side of the road. So I would say, yeah, it's a combination. Yeah, a shower is important. It really yeah. is because I was... <laughs> I was I was in Indonesia for two months surfing, okay? Okay. And this was way back in the day, and we stayed in wee grass huts on the beach. Absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. Absolute five world-class oh. breaks within walking distance. It was unbelievable. But anyway, the showers were cold. And oh. you see, you see, after seven weeks, all I wanted was a warm shower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's... And, yeah. And if you don't have your own shower, you know, you were showering out of one of those bag things, I think I remember you was using at the back of the van or something. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah which so those 
the little solar showers are a godsend when you don't have a shower. Like that's that's like the best thing in the world when it's been three or four days since you've showered and you've been mountain biking and you're sweaty and you're dusty. Just being able to put one of those bags in the sun until the water's hot and then, you know, rinse yourself off with it. Yeah. It's totally awesome, but it's only three gallons and compared to a real shower, yeah. it's like one of the most inconvenient <laughs> ways of cleaning your body. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's got its pros and cons. Yeah. So it's interesting. So what way did you just go about it? You bought the van. Did you get the size of the van and then did you measure it out, decide what, what kind of base model of van you want it? And then as you say, just get a piece of paper and draw out what had to go where. Is that basically the way you just went about it? Yeah. I mean, we got the biggest uh, Ram Promaster or Fiat Ducato, if you're in Europe, that's what they're called there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just got the, the longest wheelbase with the extended body, so literally the biggest one that they make, which Sprinter makes a van that's even a lot larger than our van, but um, we got the biggest one that they make in the Fiat Ducato, and then we put the bed in, and yeah, the bikes we had to fit first. the bikes underneath the bed. And then once the bed was in, we put the shower pan down. And then once the shower pan was in there, we kind of built like our wardrobe closet and the benches and the countertop that was going to be the little galley. Uh, Just kind of trying to allow as much space for walking, but still having a functional countertop and and benches and things like that. So just kind of a, a build it as you go, you know, type thing and deciding, well, maybe this is enough room or this is definitely or this isn't enough room and just kind of modifying it as we went. Which I can't mm-hmm. say is probably the best route to take. You might want to plan a little bit better. But in our case, it ended up working out, luckily. <laughs> <laughs> we just kind so, of winged it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I want to ask ask is also, you've got solar in the van. You've got lots of other wee bits and bobs in there. Um, I wanted to chat to you about the solar. Did you do much research into that as far as price goes and the benefits and stuff? Um, yeah, I've done a lot of research. I used to sell solar systems um, like for your house a few <laughs> years back. So I have done a lot of research on solar and the actual benefits and you know if it's cost effective and things like that. In a van, obviously, you have to have a battery bank that's going to run your, you know, your lights and power your laptops and things like that. And then in order to run some of the appliances that we wanted to have in the van, we were going to have to have a lot of electricity. So I just kind of built a system that was definitely going to be overkill. And that way you don't ever have to really worry about it not being sufficient if you don't get enough sunlight and things like that. So... I put a, a pretty big solar system on it and then a pretty large battery bank as well so that we wouldn't have any issues with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the crazy thing is to somebody like me who's got no experience in that, and this is only your second build really, Trent, as well, um, does that kind of stuff scare you, like installing that kind of stuff? Is it nerve-wracking? I mean, solar is pretty plug-and-play. They make it pretty simple with the components the way everything hooks up and when I was like in high school I used to put in like stereo systems into cars with like the big subwoofers and stuff like that and an amplifier that runs your subwoofers is pretty similar to like an inverter that runs the electricity in a van off of a battery bank so hooking those things up was like pretty familiar to me just since the whole concept of installing one of those is quite similar and then literally 
when you're plugging in solar panels, they come with like male and female connectors. So like you almost can't hook them up wrong. Mm. And I mean, you, you plug those into a charge controller that have, you know, the polarities marked on them and you watch a couple of YouTube videos and you feel like you know everything you need to know about it. <laughs> What's terrifying What's terrifying is the solar panels themselves are huge. And so just lifting them up a ladder onto the top of the van, at least for me, was very nerve-wracking. Because that's a a lot of money in a very precarious situation, hopefully trying to get it up to the top of the van. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And what about over the winter? Do you think the van will be expensive to heat or will the solar help Hmm. over the winter months there? Because you just get it cold in Utah. Um, so the way that we heat the van is with propane, actually, uh, oh. furnace runs off propane. So that's, and it's pretty cheap. I mean, less than 25 bucks a month to fill that thing up. I mean, probably you're looking more like 10 or 15 bucks a month to fill it with propane to keep it heated. That's true. We'll also yeah. probably, we'll probably be traveling this year as well. So I don't know how much time we'll spend in Utah. We'll be in a, we'll be in a little bit warmer climates through the winter, I think, but there's definitely going to be places that we go to go snowboarding and stuff like that. So we'll have to have the, the furnace ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. I want to chat to you about the highs and lows of doing a conversion because <laughs> at certain stages on the, on your channel, I know Trent, you were struggling or it looked like you were struggling oh, yeah. <laughs> with motivation, <laughs> with temperature. And <laughs> As we kind of touched on earlier, I know myself being a ginger, we have a bit of a, we can have temper tantrums, you know? (laughs) Hot temper. Uh, We have a short, short fuse. Uh, I wanted to ask you about that, but I also wanted to ask you about the worst task you had to do or hate it the most because (laughs) I wanted to ask why you were lying below the van in the snow installing a portable toilet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's uh there's a lot of different times during the conversion where you will definitely get frustrated and i remember we bought we sold the old van we bought the new van we put the floor in and then i think <clears throat> excuse me i think we started doing the insulation and after like two days of the insulation i was like i don't want to do this anymore like I was just already completely over building the van and we're like a week in and <laughs> it took like four and a half months or something of working on it. And I would say, I don't know if there's any particular portion of the van that was the worst. Um, laying oh, it on was the, laying in the ground. Laying on yeah. the ground is like a pretty big pain, but it's really the temperature that was so rough because it'd be, you know, 25 or 30 degrees Fahrenheit, which is like negative five probably Celsius, like below freezing, definitely. And I'd be out there holding metal tools and trying to work. And when I'd get home from work at 5 p.m., the sun had already gone down. So I'm mm. going out there, sub-freezing temperatures. In the dark. It's dark outside. I've got to work with lights. And, and then, then halfway through, it would start snowing. And I would be trying to film some of this so that we could put it on the channel, but it just got like so aggravating over time to try and make sure the camera was rolling and the camera had batteries and then I'm freezing and it's dark and I've got to have the lights. And then by the time I get everything set up, I can't find the tool that I'm looking for. So I'm like searching for the tool for 20 minutes and 
It just became like. And then you have 20 this. minutes of footage where there's no one in the frame. Cause yeah, because I'm, for... I'm looking for the tools. So it's just. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, a lot of peaks and valleys that come with the conversion, but once the temperatures started warming up, it's not as bad. But then we were like pretty much done by the time the temperatures were tolerable. <laughs> yeah, everyone asked us if we could do you know a van build series, and we we tried, but because we were kind of winging it, and because we only had a limited amount of time every day to work on the van after work. It was so hard to document it accurately and just put out that complete series. Yeah. I mean, if we were filming and, you know, converting the van 40 hours a week, like it was our job, I could probably do it in less than a month and we could do a lot of really cool videos and make everything look nice. But after you've worked a full day of work and you got to come home, then work in these terrible conditions, you know, for an hour or two every night, it gets to be very taxing and that's, that's mm -hmm. not good for the temper. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I suppose you've done it over the winter so that you would have the van ready to rock for the spring. Yeah. And I mean, we couldn't bike in the winter. So it was like, what else are we going to do? May as well do this. But the worst thing is, I mean, we have a garage, the van doesn't fit in the garage because it's too tall. Mm -hmm. So you're like on the street, on the street, <laughs> in the snow. Yeah, it's bringing back nightmares right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, for me doing something like that, I I built my own Harley Davidson. Oh, cool! And uh, I knew when I got to the stage of the electrics, that was me done. I, I didn't want to touch the electrics. That was too much for me. Um, so how did you find that kind of thing in the van? I mean, honestly, I'm pretty, I'm pretty electrically stupid too, as far as you know, like uh, alternating current systems go, like the 110 volt uh, electrical systems, like that we have in our houses here. That type of stuff is pretty foreign to me. I know kind of how electricity works and I can plug things together. I'm not always a hundred percent sure of whether it's going to work, you know, appropriately, but mm -hmm. I just kind of, again, did, did some YouTube research, double checked how things are supposed to be installed or how things can be installed. And then a little bit of trial and error and luckily didn't have any, any big fails. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah that, that's good um because yeah that side of things scares me i'll be honest the whole electrical thing um did you have any nightmares when you were sleeping that you'd come out and the van would be on fire <laughs> <laughs> not not actual nightmares i uh in in the winter i don't really worry about anything catching on fire because it's just so cold but i think we worry about the propane exploding I worried about the propane exploding a lot. Yeah. yeah, that's probably, I would say that the propane is more nerve wracking than the electrical just because you've got, I mean, you're, you're manufacturing all these lines and then you're tightening all the fittings and there could be a, you know, a slow leak in the propane and you don't know about it. And then by the time you do, there could be something that sparks it. And that was kind of nerve wracking. Also where we mounted the propane tank which was the only place we could actually mount the propane tank. And it's like right behind the rear axle. So there was like all these worries that under the van, yeah, under the van, there's all these worries that we were going to hit a bump and it was going to rip a hole in the propane tank. And we were going to explode like some fast and the furious movie and the van was going <laughs> to flip over. And 
So we were like kind of worried about that. But after having the tank installed and driving the van, you know, for a little while, I've kind of realized that it would have to be a real miraculous obstacle that would have to go up there and hit that propane tank. So I don't really worry about it too much anymore. Mm. And I take it there's a guard around the, the tank and stuff like that. I mean, not really. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. It, it's like a it's, it's a it's a propane tank that's meant for RVs. So they're like a really heavy duty, thick walled propane tank because they're meant to be mounted underneath the vehicle. It's also wrapped mm-hmm. in like a heat shield to protect it temperature wise, and it's it's like an aluminum foil casing on the outer side. So we would be able to tell if anything scratched it or dinged it, or if there were uh, any indication of a possible leak on it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And is that something, I think I did see in one of your videos, but is that something you can just fill up at the pump kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, well, so they actually have propane pumps here because there's a lot of cars that run on uh, propane. And mm-hmm. the fitting that you screw on to fill a car that runs off of propane is the same fitting that fills our tank. So you can, oh, go, cool. you can go to any of those regular gas stations and have them fill the propane or any propane store can usually fill them for you. So now there's a fitting on the side of our van, kind of like our water fill spot, where you could just plug in a propane contraption. But before, that wasn't always there, and you used to have to climb under the van to hook up the propane line. And the guys wouldn't do that. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't like it. I had to bribe the guy to fill it up the first time. <laughs> He's like, oh, I can't get under there. And I was like, well, let me do it. And he's like, no, you have to be certified to fill these up. And I was like, well, how how can we get somebody that's certified under the van? Like, all you got to do is lay on your back and screw this thing on. And he, the guy was like, all right. He's like, I'll do it this one time, but, like, I'm not doing it anymore. And then after he was done, I gave him a little tip. And he's like, all right, anytime you want to bring it back, just let us know. We'll, we'll fill it for you. But other people probably won't do this, you know, so... Money talks. I was like, all right. So we had to put the remote fill kit on it. So now you can just kind of fill it on the, the side of the vehicle, which is a lot easier. Yeah, cool. And, you know, I know cotton panels out of a brand new van for windows and for everything else that you had to do there. I'm sure that's nerve wracking, but I suppose you've done it before. So you kind of had an idea what you were doing this time. Yeah. And I mean, you... You can always mess up no matter how many times you've done it. So it's like, and the, the thing about all these companies that make these windows is, you know, they'll tell you, oh, well, you can do this to measure or you can do that to measure. The measurement should be this big. And it's like, all I want is a paper template. You know, these, these guys sell you these windows and some of these windows are like five to $700. Like they're not cheap. And some of them don't even come with instructions. They just send you the window. And it's like, do everything at your own risk. We're not going to tell you what to do because if we tell you what to do and you cut a hole that's wrong in your van, you're going to want to have us pay to fix it or something. So they just send you the window and there's no template or anything. And it would you know, cost them 50 cents to make this paper template so you could trace it to figure out exactly how big the hole needs to be. But instead, you've got to figure it out yourself. And that's that's really like the most aggravating part is... You, you definitely, when you buy a brand new expensive van, you want to make sure that the hole is not going to be too big so that your window is going to fit properly. Too small is fine because you can always cut mm. the hole bigger, but if you cut it too big, you're in big trouble. But luckily, <laughs> we uh, we did a good job with both windows and the roof vent. Mm-hmm. Didn't have any issues there. 
Cool. And what about stuff like TV and internet and things like that? How do you manage to put that in the van? So we just use our laptop, basically, and we'll stream any TV that we're going to watch or any movies. And we have a, a WeBoost cell booster, which is just like a, a cell system. or a, it's a It's a repeater, so basically has a big antenna on the top of the van, and it receives cell signal and sends cell signal, and then it has an antenna inside the van where it amplifies that signal. So, so we have a portable hotspot with internet on it. And then mm-hmm. that cell booster amplifies that signal to make it a lot more stable and secure so we can upload videos and, and be using Netflix or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we can be we can be out in the country where you'd normally have pretty poor service and with that amplifier it'll make it so that you have full service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you'll still be able to upload your videos for the channel and stuff mm-hmm. quite easily just in the van. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and work from the road too, because we have to work online too, so we have to have an internet connection. Yeah, cool. Wow, technology's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, it's really come a long way. Yeah. Um, so, Ali, what's your favorite gadget in the van? What do you like most about your new build? Oh, boy. That's hard. I mean, I got to be honest, I put in a few requests to Trent that I didn't think were possible, and he just continues to surprise me. So I asked for a spice rack that was more visible and like built into the wall of the kitchen. So now we have a full fledged spice rack. I love to cook and bake. Um, so that was huge for me. I would say the other big thing is we have a stovetop and an oven in this van. So there's a three burner propane stovetop and a propane oven and this beautiful maple butcher block countertop that we epoxied and cut to size and one side of it flips up so you can use the stovetop that's mounted right underneath it. And that has been a lot of fun just for experimenting with different types of cooking in the van, um, being able to eat healthy and not have to go out for meals and spend a bunch of money all the time makes it feel like home, makes it feel like it's it's mm-hmm. an actual cozy spot, not just, um, you know, a traveling camper van, but your actual home. So I, I think the kitchen is my favorite part for sure. Yeah. And Trent, you, you made that top and all, you cut it. I know you. I know you. You weren't that pleased initially when you cut it. There was some. Did you cut it in the wrong side or something? <laughs> so I I cut it right, but I went to use a router to round off the edge so that if there was anything on the the countertop, you could just kind of wipe it into the sink, and it would have a rounded edge into the sink. And I rounded the bottom side, which is like where it mounted to the actual sink basin. And okay. that was not supposed to happen. So that was there was a video of how I messed that up, and that was very very frustrating. But <laughs> we made do. It, it works. It's just not exactly how I intended it to be originally. But I wasn't gonna buy a new butcher block and start over. So yeah. we, we made <laughs> we made do. <laughs> yeah cool and i'm sure there was a few curses that didn't go on the uh, video in that one. Oh, you know it yeah no that was a tough day <laughs> that, was, that was probably a, that was one of the low points for sure <laughs> cool and i want to ask you um what did you want to put in the van that you couldn't well air conditioning air conditioning is one. a big one <laughs> right Air conditioning is just so hard because it uses so much electricity 
that if we put an air conditioning unit in the van, whether it's an RV air conditioning or, you know, anything else, you basically have to be plugged into shore power, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of like being in a camper van. You want to be out remote. Mm-hmm. You, you can't be remote if you need to be plugged in. So I would say that's probably the that's biggest big, thing well, is. Yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest one. I would say, um, so there's another channel we follow called the minimal millennials and they have a converted camper van as well. And they're all about minimalism. And we joke that we're the maximal millennials because we try to have everything that we can still fit in the van. Yeah. So the latest, um, the latest item is we love coffee. We love drinking coffee and we had a really nice coffee maker. Um, but after spending so much time in Italy drinking this wonderful espresso all the time, we decided mm-hmm. it would be really, really wonderful if we had an espresso machine. So um, we're actually hoping to be able to take this brand new, beautiful, enormous espresso maker into the van uh, as soon as it gets delivered to the house or to our friend's house now. <laughs> That'll be nice. Just deliver to the van. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah we got to find Amazon a- won't deliver to the van, believe it or not. <laughs> No, but you know, you know, it's weird. I've heard that they're actually thinking of doing that now. Oh, really? That yeah, that you can have an app on your phone or something, and obviously they need to know where you're at through GPS or whatever. But wherever you are, sitting in a restaurant, at work, in your van, up on top of a mountain trail, wherever it may be, they will deliver the package to you. Wow, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, we would use that. That would be really cool. Yeah, that'd be very convenient for us instead of the mm-hmm. having to use an Amazon locker or a friend's house. Yeah, yeah. So you could get your coffee machine delivered to you at the top of Squamish or something. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Have to take it down the trail with you. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, cool. So you're you're very happy with the van. Um, yeah. When's the next one coming? <laughs> the next van? Oh. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I have so many people that contact us online, like begging me to build them a van or sell them this van. And it's like, like I said, after we bought this second van, you know, two or three days into converting it. And I was like, I'm done with this already. Like, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. don't, I don't foresee myself building any other vans in the near future. But that could always change. That, it could I always change. I but, think if we were to convert another van, uh, Trent at least would have to be doing it full time. I don't yeah. think it works really to do it yeah, while you're you working. Yeah, you out too easily when you have to have a full time job and you're trying to convert a van. Yeah. If I was just mm-hmm. converting vans for a business, that would be a different thing. But and that's you know something that could take place in the future. But yeah, we'll see. Not really planning on it right now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I was the same when I done the Harley. At times, I was just like, "Why am I doing this?" Yeah. I'm stupid. <laughs> and you know, and I just wanted to get the thing finished. And then when I when it was finished, it was like, "That is me. I'll never ever do that again." But but then you see, two or three months after, you're thinking, "Right, what's my next build yeah. going to be?" Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I do like building and creating things. So maybe I'll get the itch a year down the road or something, and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. And I want to ask you just your future plans for your channel and stuff before you just go there. Yeah. Um, so what's happening in the for the channel in the near future? Have you done anything planned, anything a wee bit different? Um, we're going to go, like we were saying, we're going up to Jackson right now, and then we have a family reunion to go to. Um, 
but we're going to be pretty much Pacific Northwest area while it's hot. So we're going to try and stay up there until it cools down a little bit. And then we're going to head to like the New England area, um, like kind of the northeast of America for the fall mm-hmm. this year. So, But we're completely revamping our website. Um, we're trying to hit Instagram a little bit harder, hit Patreon a little bit harder, and definitely um, be posting to YouTube more regularly. Yeah, cool. Sounds sounds good. And so you are still pushing forward, and you have evolved the channel, obviously, into... Would it be more of a life adventure focused channel now? Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I would yeah. say more of a lifestyle vlog type channel than uh, just a trail channel. Mm-hmm. Cool. And um, I love your drone footage as well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> awesome. That's cool. Yeah. What, kind of drone do, what kind of drone do you use? Uh, it's a DJI uh, Mavic Pro. Mm-hmm. It's, cool. it's normally. Katrina's, yeah, go ahead. Katrina's sitting around the corner here from me and she's. Um, She's going to learn how to fly a drone for her archaeology thing here quite soon, so I'm going to get a wee go at it, you know, just to crash it. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty uh, but fun. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and do you find that, is it easy to use? Is it, Does it help your channel a lot? I think that it really adds a cool aspect as far as, like, the videography goes to have that, the bird's eye view of what you're doing or where you are, and they're pretty easy to fly. I mean, it, it's like a video game. So I will say you have to be pretty careful of regulations in whatever area you're flying in. I know we've done a lot of illegal flying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not. Yeah, and Italy and stuff has seen that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. No, I think it, it adds a real, a real cool element to the to the show and to your channel. It's and some of the images you got at Italy and all were just amazing. Yeah, in Italy there was definitely places. And a lot of those places, it was, like, restricted to fly drones, but we had to kind of get off the beaten path because I was like, we have to get some aerial shots of this because it was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. And just one last question before you go. Um, do you think mountain biking has made your life better? Has mountain biking helped evolve your life and your adventures into what they are now? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. It definitely gives you a standard to get out there get some good healthy exercise, a little bit of an adrenaline rush and come back and rinse and repeat. I mean, it's just learning a new skill is always so terrifying at the beginning. And the more you stick with it, the better you get, the more fun it is. Uh, the more you you really realize, um, your ability to continue to grow and adapt and evolve. And that just seeps into so many other areas of your life. I think it's really been transformative for me. Yeah. Yeah. To anybody that's thinking about getting into it or, you know, is, is nervous about it, it's it's one of those things you can always take it at your own pace and you don't have to push it too hard and you can slowly progress until you're better and better. And that's that's one of the things that's so awesome about mountain biking is, you know, anybody can do it really. Mm-hmm. So getting out there and, and having fun doesn't necessarily mean doing 30 foot jumps or going, you know, 25 miles an hour down the hill. It's, it's really just about getting out there and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think, and that's, that's what most people seem to, to think about it. So it's, it is an awesome, awesome sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We love it. And oh, here, we didn't even talk about Frank. How's Frank doing? <laughs> Frank oh, man. is awesome. Yeah. He is loving the van. Not a, not a pup anymore. But yeah. He's, uh, he's a chunk. He's turned into quite the quite a good trail dog. 
Yeah. Yeah, and you were just when you were on. Uh, before you were just teaching him to be a trail dog and stuff and has he come on really well oh yeah yeah he's, he's done awesome. really well now um i mean he's still got a couple things I and mean, when people come head on with us he wants to go up and say hi instead of getting out of the way but other than that i mean he does a really good job of following in line and he keeps up on the trail he's he's, he's done good he's got his own little spot in the van he loves traveling in the van so he's doing great <laughs> Yeah, he looks happy. He looks happy. He wasn't too happy to see you disappearing behind a sheep, though, Trent. That's no. sure. Yeah, that uh, it actually tricked him pretty well. I thought he was too smart for that, but he got he got fooled. <laughs> Classic. Well, here, how can people best get in touch and and follow your adventures? So you could either uh, obviously the YouTube channel, which is the YouTube channel name is Trent and Alley. Uh, if you want to look up the URL, it's youtube.com slash Trent Alley. So it's not Trent and Alley, it's just Trent Alley. Cool. Or uh, Instagram is Trent and Alley as well. Or uh, our Patreon is patreon.com slash Trent and Alley. Grand job. And I'll put all the links on the show notes there for you as well. Sweet. Really appreciate it. Good Gary. stuff. Well, here, thanks so much for coming back on the show. And, um, I hope you enjoy the van life because um, you're going full time. It's a big step, so I hope everything works out well for you. As I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Well, thank thanks, you so yeah. much for having us. Thanks it's always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And be back again for a third time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. When you when you've built your third van. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or when I come out and visit you guys, yeah. I can get on your YouTube channel. How's that? Perfect. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Or maybe we'll come to Ireland. You never know. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Well, well, Malta at the minute, but yeah. in the next two years, I don't know where we'll end up. So <laughs> very cool. Awesome. We'll see. We'll see. So thanks so much, folks. Have a have a good day there, and um, enjoy the rest of the summer season out in Utah and the sweltering heats. <laughs> Thank you so well, much. Dude. Thanks, Gareth. You take it easy. Take care. All the best. Uh-huh. Bye bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, folks. A lot of great insight there into how to convert a van. And check out their YouTube channel, Trent and Alley. Um, it's unbelievable. Like, the stuff Trent and Alley has done to that van is unreal. You know, it's... I just don't know the nerves you would need to buy a brand new van and then cut holes in it. You know, it, it just it's just crazy, but it, they have done such a good job. So if you want to find out more about them, just simply go to the website mtb-tribe.com you will find the show notes there and you can find out links and stuff to their material on their YouTube channel how to get in contact they're super super nice people and if you want to email them with any suggestions or, or problems you're having I'm sure they will get back to you so they're, they're, they're really cool that way so if you want to get more involved with the podcast folks you can also go on to the website and you can subscribe there just simply jot in your email address and you'll get one email a week just with a synopsis of what's coming on the show and what you can expect. I don't bombard you with emails um, or anything like that. You normally just get one email a week. The odd time I will send you another email through the week, just a small update of stuff that's going on besides the podcast. Uh, But I don't know how much of that will actually happen now with me being in a sling and stuff. So (laughs) it takes me about three times longer to do everything. Uh, So it's... um, 
it's pretty crazy but there we have it and guys get get involved if you wish via socials we are on instagram and facebook at mtb tribe so that would be cool if you do that drop me an email get in contact via the website i do read all email emails and i do get back to everybody so you can do that and keep involved so i appreciate it folks the podcast is here for you it's here for your enjoyment so if you want to hear anything else on the podcast or you want to hear from a specific guest just drop me a line let me know and i will try my best to do that for you so hopefully it's getting you stoked it's getting you off the sofa and onto a bike and that is the whole point of it so thanks so much for being here folks and i will chat to you next week with another exciting mtb tribe podcast take care on the trails